to Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Black Light Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Black Light. Welcome back to another episode, of course. Uh, First and foremost, I wanted to give you all a trigger warning. Our next guest will be speaking on a domestic violence situation that they had experienced. So I wanted to forewarn you that this might be a little triggering. All right. Tell the audience your name. My name is DeAndre Crosby. You know, I'm a constituent in the Army Correctional Okay, so give us a little background about you growing up and then you can go into your story about what happened. Okay, well, the older out of four kids, three on my mother's side, which she had two boys and one girl. Um, one of them is 16, one of them is strong. 12, his name's JP, and Jamari is a 6 year old, and I have a little sister, she about 13, her name was Kill, and on my father's side, I have about four other sisters. One saying, that's older, her name is um, Deanne, she's about 40 or 21, but we never spoke on nothing like that. I have a little brother that's going to James Madison, his name Benson Crosby. He's about 16, and he played football in Union County. You know, I have two stepsisters. I still, I still consider my stepsisters and my sister because I didn't know him since they were dating. And that was with my dad, third wife, and his like first marriage. Right. So why haven't you talked to your older sister? She had found me on Facebook in 2018 before I got incarcerated in 2019. She found me on Facebook and out of the blue, she asked me, was I Lawrence Crosby's son? And that's our father named Lawrence Crosby. And I said, yes, that's my father. So she found me on Facebook and she said that I was her brother, which I always knew she was my sister, but whatever my father and her brother had going on, that's why okay i got you yeah. we talked and we spoke at like met up and go out to eat so we can catch up and get to know each other and uh, unfortunately i got locked up and i told my intercessor to reach out to her and let her know i was incarcerated and told uh, her to give my food to be the address and that if she want to reach out to me yeah, she can write me, but for some reason she never reached out once she like found out and make sure I'm out of I don't know why she never replied back though, but she knows that I'm a cautionary. I can't really say why. Right. She won't like Well, sometimes when you find out something about your loved one that you didn't know, sometimes it takes time to heal and understand why they did what they did. So speaking of that, do you want to go into your situation and why you're currently incarcerated? Yes, yes. Well, reading out on 
I'll be honest, I don't know what drugs were real bad. Um, I saw drinking when I was like 14, 15, but that's pretty young to start drinking. So why why do you think I you started drinking drink. so young? Um that's a good question. Um mainly mainly I just like the way it made me feel that the same time I was going to be a lot of stuff at in the home. Like my brother was never there for me as a child and she always like chose me and she chose me and then my father won't really interfere. I was just going through some things yesterday and then I feel like my aunt, which is a war in that southern correctional, she had raised me and then my first thing I feel like they didn't understand it. So I turned to the streets and saw regular streets and saw drinking and things like that because I felt that's my way of coping. So, but as I got older, when I was like 19, I thought drinking good. You know, at that time, I had met my deceased friend, David Williams. This was like around 2011. And yeah, this was like July 31st, 2011. And I'm all the way honest about it. I was 17, and she was 14, but she told me she was older than me, but at the time, her mother was okay with us talking. With me being 15 and her 14, so we started calling me um, it just, it was something, it was just something about her that, that it made me fall for her, mm-hmm. you know. And from that day forward, we just, we just kept talking, you know, she started coming to see me and everything. Okay, we used to go out to eat, we go to the mall and things like that, but at the same time, she was, like, before I met her, you know, she was dealing with only guys that thought I paid attention if you understand where I'm coming from. Like, yeah, I, mean, I used to be like that. What I mean, like, what I mean was, like, she was having, like, sex with older guys. Like, I don't I don't think she had too much guys in her home, you know. She wanted an older man to kind of give her that father-type figure, in a way. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. Around the time that we get each other, she she doing the things and, and it, it set me on. But at the same time, like I said, I like if I had that, I was infatuated with her. So what I'm getting at is it made me jealous, like jealous. It's okay. We started off hard, but I didn't expect for my heart to get tired and deep. Or feel the way that I feel for her. But see, at the same time, I was like, first time I laid my head on it was when it was around like 2012. She was making me real upset and then, and then I just, I was healing it. But at the same time, in my mind, it's a boom door. Okay, before my door had it got worse. At the time, I won't really. All right, this time, around 2012, I was still drinking and smoking weed, you know. Like, I got to holler off again, you know. In my mind, I told her, that's why we were showing her that I love her. That's crazy, but I'm just being honest. They were showing her that I care for you, like, stop, stop going skin, like, stop doing stuff that you know they're going to set me off. And then, but what I didn't know was, at the time, I had a problem with being chosen. And at the end of the year, 
I heard someone like, like be the little thing that she'll do. It'll fit me out and I'm gonna jump on her and then my arm down on top of the top. I'll jump on them. In the end, she will always come back good and learn even after I don't whoop her hand and did some things that a real woman is not gonna put up with the her and she still always came back. It's me than being under that demand. I feel like I prayed on that and used that as my advantage. We stayed together. We stayed together, but, you know, we didn't fight all the time. We didn't fight all the time. We thought we One thing that came when I was drinking and out of the When I get to drinking, I get to acting real controlling. I didn't know how to talk to a woman. You know, I was a popular guy. I was like, bitch, give me this. So let me ask you this. Is it because you didn't have love from your mom? You didn't know how to love a woman? Well, I, I thought my woman would be too about her or her friend. So I think that kind of like, you know, truly, I, I thought my mother get choked to death, you know. Right. Get her sick to her head. And, you know, I think maybe that play a part of what maybe controlled it then. And uh, the behavior that I was doing, like I said, she stayed with me. She even let my family get to be with me. Like I said, my grandmother, when she knew what up, she got raised and she took me in out of the Anyway, I'm going to get to the main point. By around 2017 is when the drugs started coming in real heavy. That's when I first cocaine. I was working at a chicken place. I tried cocaine and it just went from there and then. And just after two years, after the cocaine use, my pendulum, which is people playing Clinton, one day I was like, why do this particular drill got my cousin walking up and down the street in the rain, stealing his weed and everything, eyeballs, and flash her TV, stealing things from his mother's house, just for his cousin. I'm thinking about my house and said, yeah, let me try it. And then, from there, I got hooked on crack cocaine. But that's when my relationship really started falling apart. And I didn't see that time because I was so caught up in myself and I was selfish as a man. I think in the end, she always feels selfish. No matter what, she, she was always there down my side. Even, even when I done counted her like a, like a doll, and she still be there down my side. And like that, Maybe because she was lovely. And around 20, around late 2017, same year, I got hooked up with crack cocaine. We moved and got our old trailer. How old is she now? I helped her get the truck. If she been there, then she'd be, she be 25 years old because I'm 29. Okay. So she'd be, 20, she'd be 25 this year. In fact, I'm in the gym. I brought that. Hey, yeah. How how old was she then when y'all moved in together? She was twenty one. Okay. I don't know about twenty one. She was nineteen. I'm sorry about that. She was okay. nineteen. Okay. You know, you know, just when we moved in our trailer, I just got the drone abuse just got out of hand. I started doing spending every day. My drinking got out of control. Yeah, I just, after two twelve past the day, remember I was the end of the drinking it do it for me. I wanna go get some cocaine, some crack cocaine. 
ไทยไทยเวิร์กพวกนี้ที่บ้านเนี่ยเออโซ่ไทยเวิร์กพวกนี้เนี่ยว่าเราเซ็นอะไรเซ็นมาไม่ Is that because you were using drugs, or you just didn't feel like the medicine worked? I didn't feel like the medicine didn't work, and I felt like the insanity kept me cold with my nerves, and I felt like real bad anxiety disorder. I feel like like I'm always hyped, hyped up, so that that the needle was a battle for me. So that's why I used to take needles and drink to slow me down. So the fact that it got worse, anyway, I seen a tick on my phone. Oh, word uh, the night. Yeah, I seen a tick about this guy. She had ran down with one time in 2017, and we were temporary. She knew I was thinking about this particular dude, and I felt like she used my drug and that my weakness to try to. We have 30 seconds remaining. Whatever they explain, I don't know to this day. Around the time and all this was going on, I was really like going through a a real like a real bad birth. You know, you know, I had my my, my family telling me, "Hey, you need to be you need to be home. They got you looking bad." And then at the same time, I'm dealing with my whole household problems. My girlfriend is not like around this time. It's it's been a year, going on eight years that we've been together. You know, I'm dealing with her talking to other guys because I'm not doing my part, and I'm not there so many of those dudes. And I felt like she had one of you and so on. Bill, and at the time, I can understand that. You know what I'm saying? What young woman want a man? What young woman want a man? Is Twenty-two or twenty-three years old, smoking crack cocaine, and so spoiled out of the drugs. But I didn't see that way. And abusing. Me being the next person. Again. I said, and being abusive, it's hard. I've I've been through that. I experienced that. So yeah, it's it's hard. But you love somebody, and you try to love them through that, thinking that that would help them change, and sometimes it don't. Right. So it just that at the time when I think parents are still. And you know, like she had deleted the three. So I, I, I like I know what I thought, and basically just that little stuff sent me off. This call was from a North Carolina correctional facility. And I'm at the same time. I'm going so so mentally. I take my meds. I'm doing heavy drugs. I'm drinking every day. We got people. Just on February night, 2019, it just right in the bad state of mind. Like I was like so messed up on my my drug habits. Oh, bills because. I was busy messing up the money that that's holding up to the bills and doing other things with it. And I got other people in her here telling her this about me. Oh, you don't need to be with him. You can do better. Then at the same time, I had my family. Certain ones, my family, which is like my aunts and other people at her job, telling her 
make the same suit. He missed. It that time, I just had enough. Really? She probably had enough, but in my mind, I was, I was at my brain before. After I had seen the pictures, I had confronted her when she got off of work. She didn't have a savings, so I just made it go. So, boom. My grandmother called me to go to her house, which my grandmother stayed right up the road from us. And I went over there and, um, she said that's in the store. I had told my grandmother about it, and I was like, I'm, I, I think I'm done. I'm tired of the lies. I'm tired of her just making a fool of me and stuff like that. You know, on the way back to the house, we had an argument. She was a type of female that I always want to talk about. Another female personal problem. And that's when I, that's when, that's when it started. I just like, well, how you gonna talk? You had you had these guys blow y'all. And they took two weeks on the job, and 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 how you gonna talk about somebody and you up there going home with guys? You barely know. So that I think is taking me off again. I think. Hold on, did you did you know that, or is that what you thought? Was it hard evidence that that happened, or is just what you thought? To be true, to be true, that's that's why I thought it. That's why it took me to just be a man and accept it. And it, it, to this day, that next year, where it's going to be, it bothers me every day because that was like, just, just that little stuff I said, it pushed me to a mind frame where I had in my mind, like, you know, like, like, shit is good, like, I'm putting a, I'm putting a smell. But if that's your question, no, I don't have food. I'm just going off with the guy created it. You know what I'm saying? And I think she had enough of we all, I think she got caught with all the story in her face. Cause I think she throw it in her face all the time. It, it can't hurt me. But I'm not no saint either. I don't do my dirt, but I never got caught. That is being honest. But she got caught early. I kept going to the trailer. So let me ask you this. If you were doing dirt and you never got caught and then you suspected that she was doing dirt, how come it wasn't even playing field? Because evidently you were doing dirt, so you can't get mad if she was doing dirt. So what what made you feel like you were in the right and she was in the wrong? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I had a whole head tell me that. He told me that He told me the same thing. He said, I just going to be mad when... when you don't want women out here in my house in this room, but as soon as she doing that, you want to get mad and fight on us. So, I'll be honest, I can't, I can't really explain it. That, I can't really explain my question right. or my answers. I mean, I don't know. I, I just can't, I can't explain it. Do you think like, it was the drug? Was it the drugs? Was it, was it what you experienced your mom going through? Like, what? So you seeing your mom go through that, and did you ever try to jump in and stop some of the fights that you seen your mom go through, or no? No, I was scared. I was scared, so I I stayed away. Like you never know, you never know what happened. I was going in the room because I was scared. You know, I just stayed in the room until I was laid in things like calm down. Calm down. So you didn't think of your mom at those point in times when you were beating on her? 
Now, I hope you get it out here. Um, my mother used to get on here about that. My mother used to tell me, like, girl, shoot it. Shoot it. Ain't no way no baby gonna shoot me like that. Ain't no baby gonna pop me like that. My mother didn't condone to my blazer. And, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. My family condone to my blazer. They try to tell her. They try to pair her on things next to get out the relationship before someone end up getting hurt. Because my grandma always told me that she said, that someone gonna end up being hurt. She said, you know, she was afraid that I was gonna do something to her. In the end, it, it, it did, because once I said what I said that night about the text connections and stuff, she didn't have enough, she didn't want to read me no more. I couldn't take that. I'm like, so you wanna leave me after, after you get caught. Well, now she didn't get caught after I seen texts and photos and your phone. And from here, I'm going to be honest, I just, like, I didn't see myself being without her. I was infatuated with her. It might sound weird, but her, I was really upset with her. I didn't feel with no, no, no woman like that. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, she just did something to me. I was more afraid of her leaving me than anything. And I think that would push me to, to kill her at night. Like, the gym, I didn't want to see her with nobody else. And, I was so messed up mentally and stuff there. Did anybody ever try to get you some help? Yeah, I don't get committed. Matter of fact, I'm saying August, where I August of 2018. And I did good for a minute. I did good. I had left the drugs alone. And then, you know, I think I'll take it as one, one bad relapse. And it goes all about a So hold on. Before we before we before we get into what you did to her, do you feel like the mental help that you or you said you was committed. So do you feel like because I've been committed to, do you feel like that environment do you do you feel like it really helped you or do you feel like it didn't change anything? Cause I felt like it never helped me. Like I didn't start getting my because I, I have PTSD, complex PTSD. And I've been committed. I've been in group therapy. I've been in inpatient therapy as well. And I really still don't feel like I was helped. It helped me a little bit, but it didn't help me like I thought it would until I started having seizures. And so I started doing my own mental health. And that's what helped me. But do you feel like general mental health that's in America, do you feel like it really helps people with mental health issues or no? Kind of doing it. You got to do your part, too. And when I say do my part, you got to, like, me, I'm going to take my medicine. And when I need to take my medicine, I drink on it, so. That made it worse? I, I'm going to say, that made it worse. Yeah, because I was, like, oh, like, deep confused. I took Seroquel for, like, my paranoid state and my anxiety. Yeah, and I, I took, took Seroquel for my anxiety. I took that, too. So, most of my medicine, right, most of my medicine was for my like panic disorder, like anxiety and stuff, because I couldn't like really cold people without 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 having to do drugs. Kind of like to a, like a family event here. And then I got some drugs in because I can't I can't be proud, I can't be people. I don't know how to communicate with people, you know. Right. You know. But, but I feel like I feel like it would have helped if I would be my part. So that's to answer your question. Okay. All right, well, you can go into uh, what happened. Yeah, you know, 
Once I home, once she told me she didn't want to be with me no more, I knew these things. She wouldn't even want to, she didn't want to talk to me. I tried to get her to hear anything else like the doubt to talk to me, mm-hmm. but she didn't want to hear that I had to say. I knew then, yeah, he's done. I think I done crossed over the line with keep throwing things in her head and her face when, when I should have been alone, when I'm the one. The problem really, you know, like I say, the problem with the drugs, um, messing up the money in the house. I'll work for, I wouldn't see no doubt because I let the drugs show me well, I get drunk, I don't want to go to work, things like that, you know. Like I think she had a waiting point and she wanted to start for herself and me as a man. At first, I didn't want to see her have that because I was so messed up myself. I was trying to keep her while I was there, so that put me to a state in my mind where I, I'm like, going fuck this. So I'm going to kill her. That's basically why I hate myself. I tried to get her to talk to me at first, but she didn't want to talk, so I just took it upon myself, and I, and I thought, I thought stabbing her, you know. And Were you intoxicated when you started stabbing her? Yeah, yes, I had just drunk. I had to jump to 25 ounces of blood light and took like four and because um, I always felt like benzos for my like my nerves so, so it also okay. I had it too the, uh, the benzos and the alcohol the crack cocaine is just stuff I did whenever so basically, um, you do know that when you take Xanaxes, it makes you eight times more drunk and it does make you ten times more angrier. And then you added the alcohol with it, so that's probably what got you there, and you couldn't come back from that. Right, right. You know, I agree because you know, I about it. Like in my feelings, I got the situation, and I had been be running on it that whole day, and then like and then we arguing, and she made clear she didn't want to be. He just pushed me over the head and I saw stabbing at that. And then once I realized I went too far, I snapped back to reality and took off running. And last thing I remember was seeing her running back towards our neighbor's house. And I like and I threw the knife in the woods and I ran to my big prayer house Chase, which is a Caucasian, I ran to his house. So that's when I got the news that she like I was saying um, Are you gonna go help? Once I realized I had went too far and stabbed her so many times, I took off running. And once I got over my friend house, Chase, I told Bill what happened and that they should go over there and check on her, make sure she's okay. And my friend Chase said his sister, Brittany Burke, Brittany went over there and she said, Smokey. They called me Smokey. I had that smoke a lot of weed when I first met them. They said, Smokey. He don't look. He don't look good. And they said, she said that my family tried to come over there to see was everything okay. Well, they wouldn't let nobody come in the yard. No one. And um, that's when I got the news that by the time they put her on the back of the ambulance, she was already dead. And that's when, like, when I broke down, that's when I realized, like, I, like, in my mind, I'm like, I done fucked up. You know what I'm saying? It's good now. I done been up. Killing her, um, and it's, and I didn't mean to kill her. It's like, it's like I got mean to, but I did. But it's like, I can't explain it, because at times, 
I just did it. And I, I, I just did it because I was afraid of being alone. And I was uh, I was afraid to see her being with someone else and moving on without me because I knew I could have been replaced because she was a cute girl. And I knew, I knew that she could have just been better without me. And that right there was, was the, the point that made me jealous and would push me to do what I did whenever the news was like told me that she was pronounced dead. I called her bottom Lawrence Crosby, you know. That's why he took me down to the magistrate office and he turned me in for my own good. He said, and yeah, that's when the SBI agents came and they detained me and then that's when they told me I was under arrest and told me with first degree murder. They told me that I could face the death penalty. So, you know, just that that next day after after all this took place, it was the worst killer of my life. I felt like I feel like the world was over. Like I feel like the world is over for me. Like when I realized once like the drugs had them wore off and I was in my right state of mind, so I realized I went too far and and it was it was done. I cried. I cried because uh, I know she didn't like. I knew. I know she didn't deserve it. Though I just, I just hate. I just hate that I all. Uh, I just hate that it ended the way it did, and and I went out the way it did. She didn't deserve it. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. And uh, if I could change it, I think I would. Say I'll go my own business because in the end. It led me to 29 years. They gave me 355 to 0.47 on secondary murder. You know, and it led to her being deceased and her family bearing her, and it brought her to my family. It ain't no day they go by I don't think about it because I know what I did was wrong. And like I say once again, she didn't deserve it. Have you? Have you? Well, did you give an apology to the family? Oh, yeah, I apologized the day I took my own. I got my time June the 12th. That same day of June the 12th this year, I told the family that I was sorry for the pain and the hurt that I caused their family and also my family. And uh, that was pretty much it. I want to say more, but my boy had what we keep it showing. So this I'm is damn sorry, though. this is your time to say what you need to say to the family if they're listening, because I think it's important. You didn't get to well, say in court it should be said here if they're listening. Well, you know, to the um, to the ones that's listening, I would like to say I really did love dating they I'm sorry for the way it ended it, and that I wish I could have did it. I wish things would could have went a little different and better and. And I wish I could have talked to someone, or we could have talked to someone about our issues going on in our relationship. Every day that go by, I think about her every day, every night. I think about her still living, and then just having to wake up, come back to reality that she's gone. And the reason why I wake up and have a dream is because my conscience is the best for me because. I know what I did was wrong, and she was a she was a nice old woman that 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 didn't deserve she didn't deserve to die at a young age. And I just want to say I'm sorry, and hopefully one day that y'all wounds will heal over time, and that y'all will live and forgive.
because what it's done, it's done. You know, it's not going to change next. No. That's pretty much it. So I want you to tell the audience, because we know that domestic violence rates uh, have skyrocketed during COVID. They were already high before COVID, but have skyrocketed before COVID. Uh, I mean, during COVID, and now that we're in an inflation, it's making things worse between couples. So what advice can you give to men and women before they get to the point? Because I want people to understand that when you truly love somebody, love does 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 not bring harm. It does not. It's not boastful. It's not prideful. It's not. Love is love. And when you truly love somebody, you never want to see them hurt. You never want to bring harm or hurt to them. And I, I, I want people to understand that. So right. what can people do before they get to that point of trying to take somebody's life? It's okay to be infatuated with your loved one, but being infatuated to that extent where you want to take their life because you're not being the person or the partner that you should be is not their fault. So what can people do right. to stop themselves from taking what they say, the love of their life's life away from them. Because if you love somebody, you would should never want to take their life, regardless of whatever happens. If you love them, you, you let them go. And if it's meant to be, it'll be. It'll come back. But people got to take responsibility for what they're going through and get help before it gets to that point. So what would you... What would your advice be to people who are currently experiencing domestic violence or who has experienced domestic violence, whether it ended in death or not? What would be your advice now that you have a clear mind and you're able to think on these things and go back and think about what happened and what led up to it? Well, my advice would be just get out of just get out of the relationship before it's too late. If you don't talk about it several times and try to make it work. And instead of getting worthful or the the beatings or the verbal the verbal abuse, just just get out of the folks so won't get hurt. And in the end, that's what it's gonna lead to. It's gonna lead to one family's one of the families hurting in the end. That's that's pretty much all I have to say, you know, it's my first time doing all like this, so it's all right. Yeah, I'll push. And then I was going to go my point out here, me, I'm still got some growing to go to that with my mental state. That's all I'm going to say. Like you said, if you truly love someone, love someone, not beating them. So that's all I have to learn. That's not good. Nothing's not common, telling them, calling your, your woman a bitch or, or things like that. That's not love. Right. So. So, so what are you doing now to fix your mental health? Because mental health is a big issue for a lot of people. And a lot of people sometimes don't feel like they have mental health issues. They feel like it's the other person or they just don't know where to start to fix it. Because, I mean, you can go get help, but at the end of the day, it's still up to you. Getting help is just a start, but you have to finish it. So... What are you doing to work on that to ensure that if you ever see the light, you know, if you do are able to get out, what are you doing to ensure that your mental health is stable? And when it's unstable, how would you get it back to where it's stable without harming somebody else? Well, I've been going to um, 
I got like a little therapy session going on with my um my doctor was um she's out right now so um she trying to like help me be with my mental back up and change the way I think on certain things and and the way I look at things from a different aspect and right. things like that. I don't be under, I haven't really, really got routine yet because it's my first time in prison and I'm still dealing with being how to adjust to this like big feelings I have and I've been down for those five years. I waited in the county for two months. Oh, like, all this is brand new to me. So right now I'm just trying to like still learn the, the ropes. And I got, I have other guys that I'm that's like, Trying to help me with my muscles. Like, they give me like, different books to read besides like urban novels and stuff like that. You know, that's, that's all I can really say. I'm just trying to, like, I'm, like, I'm still learning the ropes. Like I said, all this is new to me. Me being in prison, all this is new. I feel like I have plenty of time to get my muscle, get my muscle right. But I'm also working on it. It's just, I just do it. I just do it like whenever I feel like I'm in a mood to like I'm a person I don't I don't like talk about my problems but it's best to talk about your your problems and stuff. You know, I feel like that's the only way my mental battles and me as a person. So Well definitely talk to Reason. Uh he has a look that could help help you be able to re um re basically control your 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 mind mind and body connecting your mind to your body because when your body goes when your brain goes offline then your body is not no longer connected and that's when you disassociate from life and so it's important to make sure that you're doing exercises even when you don't feel like it do them because it takes the the brain at least 60 days to learn something new so if you're doing that those exercises when you are not upset, then when you become upset, it becomes second nature and you're able to calm yourself down. You're able to breathe. You're able to get your body connected back to your mind. So understand that this is something you got to work on every day because prison is something else. And that's going to be another mental hurdle that you have to go, that you have to try to get over. So, you have to make sure that you're doing these exercises and constantly working on your mental because if not, you're not going to make it through prison either. You're going to harm somebody else. And I'm just being honest. I'm not judging you. I'm just being honest. You it's something that you have to do all the time until you get to the point where you can control yourself in a situation where your anxiety is out of control. Then you're able to get it back in control and you're able to control your reaction and response. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So always work on that. I don't care if you just sitting there and you ain't got nothing to do. Pull out one of those books. I think they have exercises in it. If not, see if your your doctor can give you some exercises that you could do to help you. But I'll, again, I want to say thank you for that to tell that because I know that was hard. And I'm sure it's going to be hard for a lot of other people to listen to. But this is the only way for us to understand and start fixing domestic violence issues and fixing mental health issues is to talk about it and have people understand why people do what they do and how they get there. So thank you for sharing your story. I know that was hard. I appreciate it. Keep working on yourself. You know what I'm saying? Don't give up. Just keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you. Next time, next time, the 
interview with me fell. Like I said, it's my first time, so I was nervous, man. Like I say, I'm still, I'm still growing too mentally. So five years from now, or three years from now, next time I call, you hear from me, it'll be, I'll be growing. I think you did well. You too. Don't be hard on yourself. You did well. Take care. All right. All right. All right. That was heavy, y'all. That was extremely heavy. It was is real heavy because I am a domestic violence survivor. I've all, almost lost my life a few times in a domestic violence situation. And so I wanted to have somebody come on and speak about how they got to that situation. And I, I want us to this is a learning session, y'all, for us to start learning and try to understand and help people that are in domestic violence situations, because it's so hard to get away from a domestic violence situation, especially when you love somebody. And I know that's not an excuse, but it's easier said than done. And so this was an episode that was needed for us to start understanding DV situations and how we can stop DV situations because DV rates are so high right now and so many people are losing their lives to their partner and that should not be because as I said before love does not bring harm that is not what love is never 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 in your life think that somebody loves you when they're putting their hands on you they're talking to you disrespectful they have disrespectful actions that is not love at all and if they can't change that then you have to get away. You have to pull yourself away from that because you will lose your life. I've almost lost my life. By the grace of God, I'm still here because I'm here to do a mission. I'm here for a purpose and a passion to help other people not lose their lives in a DV situation. We have to do better as a community. When we see people that are going through mental health issues, you really have to step in and help these people Get them the help that they need. Give them the support that they need. Because if not, then somebody's going to lose their life as she lost hers. Y'all, again, thank you uh, for all your support. Again, it's a trigger warning. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. It was a trigger warning. It was triggerous for me. But this is the way we learn. This is the only way that we can learn is to hear from people that have done these things to other people. And try to understand it and figure out how we can fix it. Because that's what communities do. They help They help one another. Good, bad, ugly. We're supposed to help one another and help one another through our situations. Y'all take care. I love y'all. Till next time. Have a good one. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care.